0: Thank you. Well, good morning. Um, We're kind of pushed for time, so we're going to just go right in. Have you got a Bible with you? Uh, For the young people, the Bible does come in book form. Okay. For us of the older generation, if you open up your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, and we'll pick up at chapter thirteen. This morning, I want to look at the three A's of Acts thirteen and fourteen. I want to look at alignments, assignments, and accomplishments. Okay. And I think for me, this is probably one of the most pivotal scriptures in the whole of the New Testament. Um, I just—I spent about six months last year trying to get out of it, and God kept bringing me back to it. And I find that it's just as you look at Acts chapter thirteen, that it's just a pivotal moment where the focus from the church in that early stage in the first century moves from Jerusalem to a place called Antioch which becomes the bridge and church for the missional movement for the church to expand throughout the world in the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. And in Acts 13 it says this in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers. I find that very interesting that today when most churches are governed and it's just a side thought when most churches are governed by pastors there's no mention of Pastors. That the church in Antioch was actually governed by prophets and teachers. And then it goes on to list some of these prophets and teachers. says Barnabas, Simon, Niger of Lucius, Menane, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and almost as an afterthought, and Saul. And then it goes on to say in verse 2, And while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then the Bible goes on to say that after they'd worshipped some more, and fasted some more, they laid hands upon them, prayed for them, and then sent them on their way. And here's the thing, most people kind of read that, and they don't realise that Simeon, who's called Niger, was actually a black man. And most people believe, historians and theologians believe, that he's probably been somewhere else and maybe been brought in slavery and found himself at Antioch being converted. And he's actually not just in the congregation, but he's part of the leadership team. And I remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, Any church or movement that does not reflect the diversity of ethnicity is something less than God intended. Any church. So we have a church in Glasgow of nearly 300 people, and we have many nations there. But for years it was just all white Anglo-Saxons, middle class predominantly. And then God began to bring in people from Asia, from America, from different nations, from Asia and, and from Pakistan and India and various places, and Afro-Caribbeans. And now we have a mixture. And when you look at Revelation chapter 9, verse 7, John says this when he's talking about the Revelation, Says, and then I saw before me a throne, and there was people from every tribe, people, and language, and nation before the throne, and worship in unison to the Lamb. And so whenever you pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What we're saying is, Lord, let that diversity around your throne and worship around your throne in unison to the Lamb, let it be de- reflected in our churches. Is that not what we're praying? If that's what's happening in heaven, that should be what's happening in our churches. That's not. That's just a side issue. And then the thing that struck, strikes me is this. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. And here's the thing your alignments in life, and what I mean is the people that God connects you with relationally, are more important than your assignment, than what you're called to do. So the first thing that God does is He connects Barnabas with Paul. There's a relational connection. God says, Set apart for me Barnabas and Paul. And here's the thing many people think that they've been set apart. Side by God rather than set apart for God. You ever been in a season of transition? I like to call it the corridor of transition. So behind you the door is closed. And you know you can't go back. But before you nothing is yet manifested. And you're in this corridor of transition. And in that corridor of transition where the past is no longer available. It's not an option to you any longer. But yet the future is not open to you. You're tempted to think that God is setting you aside rather than God setting you apart. And I'm here this morning to tell you that what if, where you're thinking God is actually setting you aside, he's actually setting you apart. What if he's not setting you aside for something, but he's actually setting you apart for something? What if he's actually keeping things for you and not from you? You ever thought of that? See, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, it's the glory of kings to conceal a matter, but the glory of men to discover what that matter is. And so never confuse in seasons of transition and uncertainty and instability that God is actually setting you aside because he might actually be in fact setting you apart for him, for something greater. And so we see that God, first and foremost, he aligns in relational connection Barnabas with Paul. And here's the thing, sometimes that the people you're called to do life with is more important than the people you're called to bring life to. Let me say that again. Sometimes the people you're called to do life with are more important than the people you're called to bring life to. And I've seen many people throughout my life, I've been a Christian for 37 years, and probably since the age of 16 preaching, 16, 17. I'm now 53. And I've seen many people come and never fulfill what God has for them because, as we'll see shortly, they have the wrong connections, they have the wrong alignments in their life. So what God does is he connects Barnabas and Paul first and foremost. And here's the thing, Let me. T- uh, why is relational connections important? Relational connections are important because you will never function and do what God's called you to do until the right people show up in your life at the right time. As Martin Luther King said this, he says, I can never be all that I am meant to be unless you are all that you are meant to be. You ever heard the phrase we say this in Glasgow, you don't know what you have till it's gone? Do you ever use that in Northern Ireland? We're quite similar in terms of humour and that's why we go down well here and you go down well over there. It's very similar humour. And the English just don't get us and no one else gets us. The Americans don't understand us and that's okay but they love our accent and they think we all live in castles and we're and, and various other things. But here's the thing. Your relationships, you will never... What if, it's not a case of... My friend used to say this. It's not... you don't know what you have till it's gone, what if you don't know what you've been missing until it arrives? What if you don't know what you're missing until it arrives? And I've found that the difference between seasons in my life, seasons where God has promoted me, seasons where God is moving, the difference between seasons often as a person. The difference between seasons as a person, a person that comes in at just the right time that God has placed just in your path to open up a doorway to your future. So for example, I met Chris yesterday, Jenny we heard all about yesterday, and I met her briefly today. So what if, and this is prophecy okay, so it's not that I'm making up a story, what if in days to come, and we spoke about this, so I know this in the natural, Chris was talking about it being in America, what if in days to come God is going to open up opportunities for you guys to minister as a band in the States? That's what's coming. Not just for Eucharist, but for the band. And what I've done the brokenness that you've experienced in your past is like the woman who came with the alabaster and with a perfume and broke it at Jesus' feet. And the Bible says when she broke it, she brought that brokenness and that place of depth that the fragrance filled the house. And that's what God's got. So sometimes don't run away from your past or minimise what's happened. God is no, nothing's ever wasted, even the pain and the problems, nothing's ever wasted if you will pour it fresh upon Jesus' feet. It will minister to others, and that is why your voice ministers to others. Is that right? Absolutely, that's right. So that's, that's your band is going to go different places, folks, and you need to be aware of that, you need to be comfortable in releasing them to various festivals and various other things that God and opportunities that God will bring. And so that's why the difference in seasons as a person, someone who can open the door. So when Paul, uh, when he was Saul and then became a born-again Christian or became a Christian, the whole church didn't want to know him. They were still scared of him. And God brought just the right person at the right time, Barnabas, to open up the door to the church for fellowship so that they they would welcome Paul. And so first and foremost, your alignments in life, the people that God connects you with relationally, are important because sometimes you will never be able to do it and function in what God's called you to do until they show up. Here's the second thing. Alignments in life are important because the quality of your life is largely dependent on the health of your relationships. You show me some, someone or some family or some individual who is really struggling with a lot of things, and if you boil it all back down, bring it all back down, you find that most of the problems they have are their interpersonal relationships, and their quality of life suffers. And the reason why it's important for you to have the right people in your life is because the quality of your life is largely dependent on your relationships. You ever found that? You come in very happy, and your wife, your husband have had a bad day, and before you know it, you come under that kind of spirit. You've been there. Is it just my household sometimes? You're very sanctified here. (laughs) It's very holy. But here's the thing. We have the wrong people too close and the right people too far away. That's why it's important to have the right relationships in your life. You need to have the right people. Because not everybody's going to take you to where you need to go to. I remember years ago I worked for the job centre for my sons and I was a visiting officer so I visited most of the inner housing schemes of Glasgow on the south side of Glasgow. I remember one day I go to Govan, which is Rabsey Nesbitt country, literally where they filmed a lot of stuff, right across the road. And I'm going into this sort of set of lifts and I'm to go to the eighth floor and I'm running a wee bit late and so I'm a bit exasperated and I've parked the car I'm thinking I hope the car's okay, I've got a briefcase, I could get mugged and all this sort of stuff. And I keep pressing this button. And I'm thinking, this is rubbish, I'm, I'm not going anywhere, I need to be Nate an the and look at the time and this lady and this family are waiting on me and, and, my, and I keep pressing the thing, I'm going to complain, somebody needs to know but these lifts are not working, I realised I was pressing the ground floor button. <laughs> <laughs> and God really spoke to me that day and I learned something that says, you will never get to where you need to go or where you're meant to be by pressing buttons on your life that maintain where you are. How good is that? Let me say that again. He said to me, you will never go where you're meant to go or go where you're meant to be while you're pressing buttons or making decisions in your life that maintain where you are. And so relational alignments are important because sometimes you will never function and do what God's called you to do until the right people show up. Secondly, because not everybody has your best interests at heart. Not everybody wants to celebrate your success and sometimes we have the wrong people too close and the right people too far away. And thirdly, You need to understand and recognise the difference between what I call functional alignments and relational alignments. So what is a functional alignment? A functional alignment is people that God or a person that God brings into your life for a season, a reason, a purpose and a task. And once that reason, season, purpose and task is finished, the relationship is not as deep. And then you become bitter, you become confused, you become bewildered, you become angry, you become disappointed. Anybody ever been there? Because you assume more of the relationship than actually was there. God brought a functional relationship into your life just for a time and a season to help you get to where you needed to be or to bring what you needed at that time for that purpose, for that task. And you just assumed a depth that was never there. And then you become disappointed with the person. Man, that that's terrible. Man, they, they're, they're a user. They just use me. No, they've no used you. They're helping you. And just because something's functional does not mean to say it's not valuable. I have many functional relationships in my life. When I work in a secure unit for kids, ages 12 to 18, boys and girls, I could tell you the stories that would make you weep. Every day I'll be there tomorrow morning from 8 to 3 or half, 73 o'clock, dealing with people who are suicidal, self-harm and everything in between. And the thing is, I've worked colleagues that I have functional relationships with, but I don't have friendships with. It's just a function around a common goal, a common task, to look after the children and, or the young people in our care. And I've assume a depth of relationship that's not there, I can become confused, bewildered, angry and disappointed but just because it's functional does not mean it's not valuable. Sometimes your functional relationships are more valuable than your actual long-term relationships because sometimes God brings someone or a people or a group into your life They have an incredible impact and it propels you in the things of the Spirit and towards your destiny like you've never been before. A relational alignment is this, where God brings people into your life for not just a reason, season, purpose or task, but for the, whole, the long haul and to do life with. I, my pastor is also my friend. I've known him for 35 years. My younger brother is also my friend. I've known him all his life. And he, have you ever listened to any sermons? I said this yesterday. Have you ever listened to any sermons? I'll let you into secrets. All my stuff. <laughs> I'll give him a thought and he'll get a 13-week series or a three-month series. And I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> And here's the other thing, your alignments, the people that God connects you with are so important because not everybody will get your assignment, not everybody will get what you're called to do. In Acts 7.25 it's a commentary on just Israel's history and Stephen who's about to be stoned, he's relating history before the people are about to stone him. In Acts 7.25 he says this, Moses went out one day amongst his own people. And he thought that his people would understand that God was using him to deliver them, but they did not. Not everyone will get your assignment. Not everyone will get what you're called to do. That's why it's important that you be about around people who get not just what you're about, but what you're called to do. Because when you're not about people who don't get what you're called to do, they can be very negative, they don't mean to be, they can be very discouraging, and they can hold you back. It's just this helpful guys here's the other thing then it goes on and says set apart from me Barnabas and Paul for the work to which I have called them there's assignment right there to the work for which I have called them and here's the thing your assignment is chosen by God but its fulfillment is dependent on you you don't choose your assignment, your purpose, your destiny in life. God chooses that for you. But its fulfillment is dependent on you. God says, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. He's the initiator, he's the caller, he's the one that's initiated this whole thing. And He says, Set these guys apart so that they can do what I've previously called them to do. So, though God is the initiator, God chooses your assignment, but its fulfillment is dependent on you. It's a partnership. I love Christianity because I get to work with a way maker, a miracle worker. Wherever I go, I see miracles. I see more miracles in the UK than I do anywhere else in the world. In the so-called third world that's open to to faith. I've seen everything apart from yet, and I say yet because I will see it before my life is done and through. Everything apart from the dead being raised. I've seen a blind see, the lame walk, cancers being healed, and everything in between. The only thing I've not seen yet, I've not seen some recreative miracles where limbs have grown back, but I will see that, absolutely no doubt. And I'll see that here in the UK, not abroad. And I will see the dead. Before my life is done and through, I will see the dead raised. Why? Because God spoke many years ago and he said, listen, this is what I want to do in your life. So I believe that. So your assignments are important because although they're chosen by God, their fulfilment is dependent on you. But here's the thing. If you want to discover your assignment, oftentimes you need to change your environment. I meet many Christians who are like, I want to discover God's purpose for my life. I want to discover my destiny. I want to discover my assignment. I want to discover what God has for me. And they just sit in the pew Sunday after Sunday or the seat Sunday after Sunday. And you see a great example of this in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, which says, after a time when Moses had grown up, After this, when Moses had grown up, he went out amongst his own people. And it's in that act of Moses going out in amongst his own people in Exodus 2.11 that Moses discovers among the people his divine destiny and purpose. He knew he was called to deliver them. He just went about it the wrong way. He was connecting with something in the midst of people. If you want to discover your assignment in life, sometimes you need to change your environment. Paul and Barnabas not only discovered their assignment, but were released into it as they in an environment of fasting, prayer, and worship. So, if you want to discover your assignment, start serving. Serving somewhere maybe that you've, you've never thought possible before. And as you serve, you realize maybe there's a calling here. Maybe this is what the Lord wants me to do. Or maybe this is not something the Lord has for me. Here's the other thing, you need to realise that sometimes you need to find your tribe and people before you can find your assignment. I meet many people who are who are looking for their destiny and their purpose in life and they're with the wrong group. Do you know what I feel sorry for? And I said this to a pastor because his daughter's going through the same things. She's a young lady, 24, 25. I'm a sort of like... She calls me Uncle McFlurry, because when she was about three or four, I took her to McDonald's and bought her a McFlurry, so I'm her Uncle McFlurry. But I feel sorry for young ladies in the church, because there's four times as much young ladies as there is men. And so guys, if I can be honest, even the ugly guys can get a drop-dead gorgeous babe. (laughs) Because there's a big pool. And many young Christian ladies struggle because they want to be married, they want to have a family. But when they look at the pool in their church there's not a lot of fish to fish from <laughs> and rather than fishing for men they're fishing for men and the thing is it's like that and so sometimes we say to people well listen this church is only a church of 60 or 80 why don't you go somewhere where there's big Christian events and there's going to be more men so I'd rather encourage them to go to Christian events and find a good Christian man than go to the pub or the dancing or secular society and find somebody that's not of God And he's not a Christian. And they end up married and it just doesn't work out. I've seen that happen time and time and time again. So in order sometimes to discover your assignment, sometimes you need to find your people and your tribe first, like Moses. After this, after he was brought up 40 years and palatial, the comfort of kings, the Pharaoh of Egypt, he goes out amongst his own people. And he discovers his tribe, he discovers his people, and he discovers his purpose. And here's the thing though. There's three things that you find. Sometimes you need to realise that just because you're called doesn't mean to say you're commissioned. You could be sitting here today and you know that God's got a call on your life. The call of God is resting on your life. But just because you're called does not mean to say you're commissioned. In Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas had been called previously. But here's the commissioning. And what has happened is a convergence of time and and calling and when there's a convergence of the perfect timing with your calling it leads to your commissioning and the church does many people the disservice when we release people who are called too early and they're commissioning we commission them too early and release them and what happens is eventually because they can't don't have the character to say stay in it see gifting will open the room for you character will keep you in the room And sometimes we recognise a calling of God in people and say, they're really called, there's a real anointing in that person's life, or that young lady, or that young man, or that man, or that lady's life. And we release them and think, we need to commission them. You need to wait in God's perfect timing. Here's the other thing. In between calling and commissioning, there's a thing called consecration. So here you have calling, over here you have commissioning where you're actually released to do what God has called you to do. But in the interim period, there's a period where you need to consecrate yourself, set yourself apart. And you see that in the life and ministry of Jesus when he's filled with the Spirit in the River Jordan and he goes where? Into the desert for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days, Luke 4.13 says, he returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And that place of he's commissioned by the Father, when the heavens are open, he says, this is my beloved son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. So there's affirmation, there's identity, affirmation and acceptance. He then goes from that, if you like, that calling and a period of consecration, setting himself apart, overcoming the temptations that the first Adam never overcame, and he comes out of that commissioned to move and function in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. And many people miss their assignment in life because they seek to circumnavigate the process of consecration. And you will never do it, folks. You will never do it, whether you're an individual, whether you're a church. You can never do it. And then when you come, you, you see the guys, they go and, and they plant churches all over the Mediterranean. And in Acts chapter 14, 26, it says they come back to Antioch and reported to all the leadership there everything some versions say that they had accomplished. Other versions, like the NIV, says everything they had done. Alignment, assignment, accomplishment. So let me declare what I believe the assignment is for this church. Is that okay? And we have it taped, hopefully recorded. So before I came, um, a couple of days ago, I've got it on my my iPhone. Uh, no, that's what I'm going to speak But other things. I felt the Lord saying to me, I saw two angels. I had a dream, and I, saw, I woke up for the dream, and I saw two angels for this church. And the two angels were, were talking to each other in this visionary experience, and both of them had scrolls, and they're comparing the scrolls, and I could see the scrolls, and they're talking back and forth, but I couldn't see initially what was on the scroll. And so then the, the vision stopped, and I said, Lord, what was that? And the Lord says, that's Hope Church. That's an angelic assignment I've given to Hope Church. And says but Lord what was on the scrolls It's important that I know what was on the scrolls Because that is part of the destiny And part of what God has for this church And the Lord showed me two things And the first scroll was prayer And intercession This house will be called the house of prayer And intercession It's like the incense that comes up The angel brings up before God the Father on the throne It was bowls and then the Bible says that When he broke the bowls he threw them back to the earth This is a house Called to be a house of prayer an intercession. The second scroll was this mission. No one was this house called the House of Prayer and intercession, but this house is called to be raised up missions. People that will send a mission, and there's going to be missions where you're going to go on short term mission to various parts of the world. You might think, but we live in Craig That's the backwater of Northern Ireland. I mean, that's what some people believe. But I don't believe that, and God doesn't believe that. From this house, God is going to raise up people who will go on mission and impact the world. Do you know what God has for you? It's in your name. What does your name represent? When I leave this weekend, this is what's going to happen. This place is going to be, and I seen like it, and I remember Craig spoke to me yesterday about it. I seen like water flowing under here. And then Craig told me yesterday, and I was reminded of it, this was an old waterboard office. And here's the thing, God is putting a mantle on this house of healing. That's what the H and hope stands for, healing, because people need healed emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, physically, financially, relationally, in every way. And there's an anointing mantle coming on this church that you'll see increase exponentially after I leave. That's not what it means that you sit in your seat and say, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. You need to partner with God in that and actually lay your hands on the sick and believe that God can heal them. The second thing the O stands for in your name is orthodoxy. That you will not depart from the scriptures, but the scriptures will be orthodoxy and orthopraxy. That your practice will be informed and, and the foundation will be the scriptures, the orthodox scriptures. So it's not as if you're going to get into some dangerous waters, Okay. The peace for the prophetic. There's going to be an increase and in a release of the prophetic, and the ease for evangelism. When God is going to release evangelism in this house, and I said this morning in prayer meeting, I got up at three o'clock this morning and woke up, just praying and, and looking over the Word and various things, and I felt the Lord saying to me, "In days to come, and they're not far off, f- there's going to be a number of families who are going to come into this church, and the ages are going to be ranged from 27 to 35." That's going to be the couple's ages that will come with our kids. There's going to be an influx of families in that age group. And you guys who are older like me, you need to be ready to parent them, to disciple them, to help them grow in Christ. Is that helpful, guys? So this is all recorded, so you will see this. I have absolutely no doubts that you'll see it. I prophesied last month in Germany. It says from this day forward you'll see three people a month come to faith. And two people in the service the first time ever gave their lives to Christ. They didn't even know there was two people in the service who were non-Christians. So they got two in one day. How good is that?